Hey, it's Jenny from Channel Mom, the channel made for moms. And this show is near and dear to my heart. Our family's actually been through a school shooting. It's one reason I decided to do this show, where we interview a mother of four and a Columbine survivor who has amazing advice for the moms out there who are concerned about their kids' safety and what they face in our current society with the rise in suicide and violence and all of that. So I hope that this show really helps you. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. She's an author and a speaker, and of course, as I've said, a Columbine survivor. Um, she's also a mother of four, and that's you know maybe her most important job, raising those babies, and uh, of course, a wife as well. She also now lives in the beautiful state of North Carolina, but she's joining us today because, to be very personal, my family did go through the school shooting at Platte Canyon. Oh, 13 years ago now. And it was on my son's birthday. My son was turning eight that day, and he didn't get to see his daddy because my husband had to kind of stay at the school after the shooting unfolded there. Uh, he was an administrator. He still is an administrator at Platte Canyon. Um, and and it, I, mean, I almost started crying in the intro when I started talking about it because I thought, oh, my gosh, this is still raw for me. And I imagine for Casey, even though it's been 20 years for her, it's still raw for her. So um, I, I thought, you know, so many moms are worried about the condition of our culture and our schools and, and what's going on with their kids. Are they safe in school? Is there too much violence out there? Um, there's the threat of a rise in suicide, depression, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Casey writes about all this stuff, and I'm just going to let her tell a little bit of her story for four or five minutes so you can kind of get immersed in who she is and where she's coming from and then we'll get to the lessons and the hope and then how she views school safety currently but welcome to channel mom casey so glad to have you here hi thanks for having me yes you are welcome all right so <laughs> I, I i almost feel guilty having you tell your story because it's just hard so i just want you to kind of give a little background about what you faced before you faced columbine um and and that is that something that a lot of moms are going to be like oh phew she gets these issues too you went through some stuff um and and feeling like you didn't want to live yourself so can you tell uh, the moms listening today what what you went through um sure so i grew up as a pretty shy quiet timid girl um, and always really obedient. Um, I would say I was an easy child yeah. until my sophomore year of high school. I kind of just got in with a crowd that wouldn't be the normal crowd I might hang out with. Um, and I became really close to this one boy and we were just good friends, but I came home from a weekend away one spring to find out that he had committed suicide the night before. Mm. Um, and I was devastated and you know all of us in this group of friends were just sad and we didn't know how to handle the emotions around something um that seems like such an adult problem yeah. to handle and what made it worse is a month later his best guy friend also took his own life and we spiraled down into this dark black hole of despair and confusion and anger that our little teenage minds and hearts just could not process. And it became so difficult to cope with it that I really retreated away from anything I knew, away from my church, away from my family, trying to figure this all out on my own, which just put me in a bad spot um, to the point where I felt like the only escape from it was to take my own life. And I had it planned for one weekend. I'm not sure how my parents found out about it, but they did, and they quickly went into action, which 
likely saved my life. Yeah, the grace of God is how they found out about it. Yes. <laughs> um, they just figured it out. And and I'll tell you what, they were vigilant. And and I they, they had you sleep next to them practically in their room, right? Yes. Yeah. They, I had all privileges taken away. I was even taken out of school. Um, you know, we they had struggled with how to respond to me because they didn't want to push me further over the ledge, but I was acting with so much anger and I was awful to them. They were trying to figure out how much space do we give her and how much do we take over as parents. Yeah. Um, when a counselor told them, act like parents, and they did. Yeah. And at the time, oh, I you know, almost hated them for it. And now I look back and I'm so thankful that they acted like parents and took over for me when when I couldn't help myself. Yeah, they saved your life. Um, and, and, you know, they saved your life, I think. And by the grace of God. All right, so, so because I want to get to the lessons. So, so let's rest a little bit on what happened to you, the story, so people can find out where you came from. And then I want to go to these lessons and, and talk about the school safety situation so we can encourage moms today on your viewpoint on that. Um, okay. But so, so tell folks what happened to you at Columbine. So... It was April 20th. It was a Tuesday morning, which was like any other morning. And I, um, every day of the year, my best friend and I went home to my parents' house where my mom would have sandwiches and cookies waiting for us. So cute. But that day, I could not find my friend. And as I was walking out to the car, I realized I don't have time now after looking for her to make it home. So for the only day that year, I went into the library to read a silly gossip magazine. And just a few minutes later... The teacher came running in telling us that there were boys outside with guns and we needed to hide and get our heads under the tables, and she was screaming, panicking. And for just the slightest second, you think this can't really be happening. Yeah. But the panic in her voice made it so clear, like, this is real and it's right now. So I ran about 10 feet in front of me and hid under a little computer desk area and pulled a chair in next to me and thought, this is the greatest hiding spot. They're never going to find me here. And I started praying, and I asked God to help us. Um, the boys came into the library, and as they started shooting in the library, I felt this gut punch to my stomach is what it felt like. Um, and it was just this heavy evil and horror and terror. And again, I just kept praying. And then I felt a hand on my back and turned to think, nobody can fit under here with me. Who could possibly be back there? And there was nobody there. But with this hand that was on my back came this peace and this knowing that I would be shot. And I didn't know if I was going to live or die, but I was prepared for whatever was coming my way. Mm -hmm. And maybe a minute or two later, I looked behind me and the shooter was crouching down, pointing the gun to the person who was hiding beside behind me. And I knew my turn would be next. So I turned away from him, plugged my ears, and kind of waited my turn. Um, I heard the shot that killed the boy behind me, and then I heard—I remember hearing the shot that hit me, and it knocked the wind out of me. He told me to quit my complaining with much more colorful language, and I thought, if he thinks I'm still alive, he's going to shoot me again. So I played dead, hoping that he would move on, and he did. Yeah. 
And it was a brutal wound. I mean, it took part of your shoulder and it uh, did some damage to your hand because you had your hand up to plug your ears. Um, right. And you almost bled out. I mean, it was, it was almost like people didn't uh, know what to do. So they were just sort of dragging you here and there. I know they were they were helping you. I understand that. But um, right. I, I, it was there you were bleeding to death and people weren't sure what to do because nobody knew what to do about any of this. It was right. new, you know. Um, I mean, when Platte Canyon happened, it was years after Columbine. And, and it's almost like, oh, this is happening again. But but there was no precedent for what you were going through. Um, right. So so I, I won't make you go through the, the mess of, of having to get to triage and people treating you and rushing you to the hospital and your family finding you and all that. But um, just uh, just one sort of wrap up thought about about what happened to you and how you came out of it. I feel like it was just the grace of God. There's no way that I should have survived. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was going for a headshot and hit my shoulder. And just the amount of blood I had lost. Um, My family and I would look back and think and fully believe that the year before, with all the suicides and darkness and my recovery, our recovery from that, really prepared us to be able to get through Columbine. yeah, and to help other people. I feel like you helped other right. people as well because of what you went through. Um, I, I want to add a little levity here. Some good things. A lot of good things have come out of what you've been through, and, and especially in the way in which you've been able to pass on lessons to others, including your own children, which we're going to get to. But uh, you did have a, a joyous moment. In sync, a big deal, back in 1999, came to visit you in the hospital room. I don't know if they sang your favorite song, but here it is. Just so you know, girl, you and I share that because I used to love to jog to that song. <laughs> How gracious of them. They came to visit oh, you. It was wonderful. And after two weeks of being in the hospital and, you know, our lives being shattered, it was definitely an uplifting moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's get to the to the conversation I want to help mothers. Um, you know, you've got four babies yourself. How old is your oldest? She's 11. She's 11. So we're getting to that, that time when, when, well, we already are because you, you wrote a blog about it, that you're having to, to, to uh, you know, your kids are going to be learning some of this stuff and already are. Um, right. and, and you talk about how, how do we navigate this stuff with our kids? So let's just go here. I, I imagine, myself included, that there are mothers, millions of them, who think, how do I know when I send my child off to school that they're going to be safe? Or if they're a homeschool mom, how do I know when I send my child to the theater that they're going to be safe? And so you can be in utter panic day in and day out if you allow yourself to. So let's go first to the, the, the fact that you talk about you how you have resilience and hope. Can, can you just comfort the mom today about a, an attitude that you have to take on so you don't have fear and worry at all times? I think it's something that I've had to learn and have had to train myself in. I mean, yeah. sending my kids out to do anything, specifically going to school, has been one of my greatest battles after Columbine. Mm-hmm. And I originally thought, well, I'm just going to homeschool because then I'm in control and they can never get injured at school if I just keep them at home. Yeah. But I knew that wasn't the right answer for my kids, and it was based out of fear. And I feel like if we're making decisions that are controlled by fear, it's maybe not in the best interest of the child. Not to be careless, not to tell them, oh, sure, go run out on the street and not look for cars, and it's fine. But if if I'm putting my experiences onto the childhood of my children, that's not the right thing to do with what I've been through. Yeah. And, um, I don't think life comes out of fear. I don't think a decision right. made out of fear brings life, you know? 
Right. There's no freedom in it, and there's little joy that can come out when everything we're doing is wrapped in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, we really struggled that our kids have to know anything that happened to me. And we've been very careful about how we package um, the stories of my life for each of our children individually based on their ages, what specific questions they're asking, and their personalities, and knowing how they're going to maybe process it and um, respond to it emotionally. Mm-hmm. So how, so how, for the mom today, how you say don't make a decision out of fear. That's your first little piece of advice. But as they're addressing these things in their own family and with their own children, what would you say? And, of course, it is age-specific. Right. So I'm actually, um, in response to that, going to read this paragraph out of a blog that I wrote. Yeah, okay, go. Go, go um, for it. It says, we would much rather our kids never need to know about or encounter any of these things, keeping their hearts and minds pure and innocent. Life's realities can bring big big reactions and big feelings. Keeping them in the dark about the negative things in life feels like the safest and easiest option. But accomplishing big dreams doesn't happen by simply avoiding big realities. Perhaps instead of fearing that their tender hearts will be broken with my story, we have an opportunity. Our hope is that with careful packaging, wrapping, and delivery of this part of my life will allow us to plant seeds of courage, resilience, and perseverance. Appropriate preparation of their hearts and minds will help them to meet life's realities without being overcome in a way that we can continue to say, dream big, little one. Yeah, amen. So that's how we try to package it, that you will never be alone. And while we can't control the choices of other people while we're out there, how we respond and how we believe, you know, in our family, our faith in God and his faithfulness um, to stand by our side is always available to us no matter what we're going through and where we are. Yeah. I want to get to um, also talking about addressing our kids about fear, our kids specifically about fear and things like suicidal thoughts and depression, because these are all things you've experienced. I want to get to that. But first, I want to have a quick kind of time out to talk about the cultural thing. I'm not going to make you talk about politics because because people want to go to should this be a gun control thing? Should this be a concealed carry thing where where teachers should be carrying weapons to school? And believe me, these are issues my husband's had to consider because he's now the superintendent of that district. Um, But. What I, what I have come to is, can't we talk about a little bit what's going on in our culture, that there are so many hurting people? Because sometimes I think talking about the political stuff masks the fact that we have hurting families and hurting children and hurting adults who perpetrate these things upon us. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should talk specifically, because you don't know what was going on specifically with those two boys who did this to you. But uh, do you ever sort of step back and say, what is going on in our culture that this is so prolific now so i guess my response to that would be um there was an interesting moment after columbine when some of us families were invited to watch the videos that the two shooters had made in preparation for their you know shooting spree yeah and so we went and we watched these videos and they were horrible and evil and the boys were in this i don't know zone where i don't even know how people get to that but what was interesting is when we left and my dad said, what did you think of that? And I told him, any of us can be like that. In, like, I could have ended up like that a year ago when I was suicidal and angry and yeah. wasn't taught how to deal with the hard things of life. And I feel like now as a mom, I don't know the answers of why certain people do certain things and make certain choices that are so extreme. Yeah. But I want to be preparing my children 
that when hard things come, we don't brush them under the rug. And it's normal to have big emotions, but what do I teach them to do with it? And how does how we respond to life and the disappointments of life or the you know pain of life sometimes, how do we respond to that and how does our response impact our steps going forward and the people that are around us. Yeah, you address this in, in some of the blogs that I've read, and you have a very sweet blog. I urge you, everybody, to go uh, look at her blogs, um, and we'll tell people how to do that. Uh, you've got a sweet one called 12 Cents, I think, and then and then the Big Realities one. But you know what you should do, girl, is you should write a book instructing moms about how the training of dealing with life's hard things can, can help them to respond in a, in a healthier way. Now, it's, we're not going to get rid of all of the out breaks of violence but but you're right it, it, this is where moms are key is, is is to have that influence over a child and maybe over a neighbor's child um, to say let's talk about this stuff and how do we deal with it and and how do you uh, get reminded that you're still loved and that that um, you're cared for you know what I mean like really 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 important for moms to pass on this lesson okay we only got about four or five minutes left so I do want you to get to this other lesson because it was huge in your life what would you say to the mom today who is concerned about as her kids are going into the preteen and teen years um, with, with the higher rate of suicide, with depression being prevalent, what would you say to her about approaching this with their chi- her child? I mean, my parents, I guess, were the greatest example of this. And my dad would stay up nights and my mom for hours, hours, waiting for me to talk, being available, not pushing me, but just being there. And Finally, when I was able to to let go, they were there, and they were ready to listen, and they didn't make me feel badly for the way that I felt. And they also didn't tell me how I should feel. Yeah. Um, They listened. Because I think that's that's why I was so afraid to talk, is they hadn't lost their friends to suicide. They didn't feel suicidal. How could they possibly understand what I was going through? But they didn't need to understand my feeling to love me. No, 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 no. And they were available and they listened. They're such beautiful lessons. Casey, very briefly, can you tell mamas and anybody listening today the hope of a life reclaimed? What is that? It's just taking control away from the things that have happened to us. And it took me maybe 13 years after Columbine to figure out that I was still letting the actions of those boys impact my daily decisions. And, and they still had control over what I was doing. And I decided I didn't want that to be true anymore. Um, I wanted control over how I wanted to allow the circumstances of my life to impact me going forward and how I wanted to turn them around into positive things for the sake of my marriage and my family and my children. Yeah, you do all kinds of stuff now, too. You do things for charities. Tissue, um, right? Explain that to me. <laughs> yeah, so they used a donated bone to save my arm after yeah. the shooting, um, which we had never heard of. But, yeah. I mean, life-changing gave me a second chance at living a life with two arms to wrap around my babies. So I definitely advocate for bone and tissue donation as well. Yeah, you do. Um, okay, so how do people find, we do have callers to win your book, which is so cool. Thank you for giving Yay. away a couple of books. Yeah. Um, how do people find you and the book, dear? Um, so my website, Casey Rugsager Johnson, um, and I'm on Instagram at Casey Rugsager Johnson and Facebook under the same name. And the book is available on Barnes Noble and Amazon. Yes, and just with due respect to your father, Rugsager is spelled R U E G S E G G E R. So Casey and Casey is K A C E Y. Casey Rugsager right. Johnson. You are blessing people, and I, you know, wish you many blessings in your mothering, my dear. Thank you for writing this book. I truly hope that it helps a lot of people. 
Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for being on Channel Mom. Okay, so just so everybody knows, just a couple of little announcements. Just want to remind you that we do this Monday Mom Prayer thing. My hope always is that moms will gather together. We can all pray for each other, and it will change our nation as we're praying for mamas as they raise their babies all together. And I do it on Facebook at noon on Mondays. I'm also going to add it to Instagram. So come and give me your requests. Join me. Let's pray for each other for the you know process of raising babies and for our country together because what a difference that would make if we all did this together. And then also, you know, we really need help building our social media. So tell people about Channel Mom. I'm trying to publish a book, and we need more followers so that I can give you a book that, that uh, will help your mothering all about uh, being the best mom you can be. And uh, you can... You know, subscribe to us on YouTube. We're at Channel Mom. You can follow us on all social media. And uh, yeah, so please, you know, tell folks about it. And then finally, get help from us if you need it. Go to channelmom.com. We have a ton of outreaches helping moms who are coming out of homelessness and in prison. You can help us by praying for us and donating to us. So I'd love to have you visit channelmom.com. In the meantime, Mom, if nobody's thanked you today, I am thanking you. Thank you for all you do to raise your babies well. Don't give up on that. God bless you. Have a beautiful weekend. The Life Center in Littleton is here for you. Whether you or someone you know needs help with groceries, GED prep, finding community, or figuring out what faith in Jesus really means, the Life Center wants to help. Located just south of downtown Littleton, we exist to offer our community practical help and lasting hope. Find out more at lifecenterlittleton.org.